Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness Podcast. Pete, we've got a big show on tap. Uh, we even, we, I, I got to look at the timing. We're either going to release this interview that we did uh, with uh, external, I guess he called himself an external intern. I believe it's more of like a uh, post-grad intern. Jordan Neisler, he's the guy that puts out these awesome videos on Twitter that you see post-game. Uh, we've got an interview with him. It may be on this episode. It may not. Uh, either way, it's coming out in the next next few days. Uh, just got to see how long this goes. Pete, how we doing, man? I'm doing really well. And and honestly, circling back to that interview, I mean, regardless of whether it's part of this episode or not, you guys need to get on that. It's a really uh, kind of interesting inside look at kind of how that uh, the social media content that you see throughout games after games throughout the week kind of how the sausage gets made it's really fascinating stuff and uh you know he's a a young great guy we really really liked our talk with him yeah it was it was super interesting i i mean i i certainly enjoyed kind of getting more of a peek behind the curtain and uh really kind of an insight into you know the fly on the wall that that puts these videos out and and because it i mean i can't imagine trying to sit courtside and take video while the game's going on and not react to what I'm watching. So uh, major props to him for everything he does. Uh, but before we get talking about the wild week of uh, off-the-court Billiken Hoops news, uh, of course I got to talk to you guys about Wheelhouse Bicycle Shop and Creep Core. Uh, you already know, if you're a loyal listener, that if you're looking for you know that super specialized road bike, mountain bike, uh, you know, or you're looking for that beach cruiser, um, go check out Wheelhouse Bicycle and talk to Nathan Leventhal at 770 North New Ballast Road in Creepcore. You can also find him online at wheelhousebicycle.com. He's the best in town, and he will hook you up. Uh, but moving on to men's basketball. Uh, transfers, we, ha- we had some transfers. We had one player surprisingly uh, leave. Uh, but let's talk about the transfers first. Uh, these were unsurprising, Peter. Yeah, you mentioned the the surprising one, and it's none of these. The guys who transferred out, Markai Strickland, um, Andre Lawrenson, and Rashad Williams. Strickland and uh, Andre, um, two guys who, you know, they came in at the same time um, and just never really had a chance to crack the rotation, you know? I, I feel bad because I think both of these guys have some good long-term potential. Um, uh, Lawrence sounds a good shooter. He's grown since he's been on campus. Uh, could have been kind of an inside-out threat. Um, and then Strickland, obviously, in the, the the moments we saw of him, flashes just incredible leaping ability, athleticism, um, can bring down the house with his dunks. And uh, like we said last week, the the 18 minutes he got in our last game, he, he actually looked pretty good. Um, so it's a bummer to see him go, but I totally understand why. You know, they're both red shirt freshmen in this weird kind of COVID time. And, uh, you know, they're, they're looking out at the roster next season and, and maybe even after that. And it's, it's still pretty tough to crack. You know, we're going to have a lot of the same personnel. And so they just didn't want a third straight year of staring down the bench. It's really kind of interesting with the transfer portal the way it is that um, and, and you saw it a little bit with Majerus with a guy like uh, uh, the, 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 the Greek. Uh, gosh, can't think of his name right now. 
uh, who, who was there? Salentakis? Yes, uh, Emmanuel Salentakis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where it's kind of like players will come into a, to a, 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 a low major major program and and they'll just come in for a year right it's almost like you're you're going to a juco but you're not you're sitting on the bench and you're a practice player getting uh you know the odd minutes here or there in a blood it's almost you know it almost kind of is the the uh kind of the the oh gosh i'm having a moment um it's kind of just an option other than maybe going juco if you're not necessarily ready, you don't really want to go low just yet. You know, you're maybe not getting the offers you think you should get. Maybe a late signee. You go to a bigger program. You ride the bench for a year, and then you transfer out to either a bigger program or or, or um, another program of the same size. Yeah, or you just go back home play for yeah. a, a club team too. Um, they don't seem, I, I don't know if that's, I'd be kind of curious to see the numbers on it, but international players, and it strikes me, especially as European players, um, don't seem to have as much of an issue, um, leaving a program. Um, and, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just perception. Cause we've had a lot of European guys come in for one or two years and, and, and leave. And, um, and, and a lot of them have been relatively quiet in and out too. I don't know if they just kind of have higher expectations about playing right away or what, but um, regardless, uh, we, we've definitely kind of seen that here a little bit, but it was a little bit different story with our, our third transfer, Rashad Williams. Yeah. That's a weird one. Um, now that you mentioned it, thank you for bringing it up because I would have glossed over it cause I'm not paying attention all that well. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, the, the, people got to realize that I'm reading off a sheet and I'm listening to you. And it's hard to to really follow everything at once. So, Rashad Williams, yeah, what do you what do you make of this? I mean, uh, he, it, I mean, just moving on. I, I I don't. It's weird. The trick for him is that whatever his next school is going to be is going to be his fourth, right? So um, he started out at Cleveland State and transferred to Oakland, and then got a waiver. And it was it was pretty last minute to be eligible this season at SLU, um, but he still has one more year of eligibility. Uh, you know, so I guess he wants to use his fifth year somewhere else. But being eligible right away could be an issue. So I'm I'm curious to see kind of what happens there, and when he's actually able to play again. Um, regardless, Williams is a volume shooter. Period. We've talked about him a little bit on the show. Um, mostly in the context of he never really had his his value unlocked, you know, sort of as a momentum, uh, you know, a guy who gets hot, um, a guy who shoots a lot of threes, and you need to kind of ride his his hot hand and ride out his cold hand. Um, and that's just never, that's just not going to happen when you come in for three to five minutes a game. Um, it just didn't work here. This sounds a lot like you watching me tweet from our podcast Twitter account. And then you tweeting like more like a Jimerson, <laughs> like you, you get one shot and you make it. I take about 15 shots and I usually get one, one successful tweet. You know, you're, you're being humble because when I think about like the stuff of ours that has gotten like the most likes ever, it's, it's, it's generally some it, you, it's generally like real inspiration hits you. I know th- it's funny though, because I literally laugh out loud at some of the stuff you tweet and then like it does nothing and i'm just like why 
That's hilarious. I, I, I guess I'm like the, uh, like when they talk about a comedian's comedian. Yes, you are <laughs> the, the guy. Uh, you're the you're the aristocrat's joke of tweeters. <laughs> He's been doing it for 20 years in front of 20 people. <laughs> but regardless, you know, uh, I you know, Williams, we heard from multiple coaches on our own show uh, leading into the season. He's unbelievable in scrimmage. Like he'll 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 make it from 30 feet out routinely. Like they like they talked about him really being a scoring threat. Um, but I think what a, a couple things happen is like, as, as you actually get into games, we know that Travis Ford values defenders and he's not the best defender. Um, and number two, when it became clear that Deandre Jones was going to be a very serviceable backup to, to Collins, Williams is kind of the odd man out. Um, because then, you, you know, how, how, where do you play him? You can't constantly have two sub six foot guys in your backcourt. Um, and Williams is probably right at about six feet. Jones and Collins probably right under six feet. Um, you know, there's just, there's only so much, uh, so many combinations you can run when you've got Collins, who's going to be playing 35 minutes game plus Jones. And then, yeah, what do you do with Williams? Where do you stick them? So I, I think kind of all of those things came together and it just didn't wind up being a good fit. Um, it's it's one of those sort of transfers that made sense on paper and just didn't pan out. I wish he was a, you know, like a six six wing who was just a deadly shooter or something like that. But you know, when you're a six six foot six one off guard, um, it, it's it's a little bit trickier to slot him into this lineup. Um the the this is weird. Jordan Nesbitt's Twitter post is gone. Uh, yeah. I just, I, uh, <laughs> well, we, we, we can at least talk about what he, uh, what he tweeted in the first place. Uh, has somebody been trying to tell me this and I just didn't get it? Um, yeah, are, are this is sure? is this the weirdest moment we've ever had on the show? Because we're ready to talk about the March twenty fourth news that Nesbitt declared for the NBA draft, but then we're trying to like go find the tweets and everything that back that up, and they're gone <laughs> to give people an idea. Because I, I, I want to be happened. honest, and I'm I don't I really hope nobody. No, I'm sure there are people that are connected with Jordan Nesbitt that listen to this show. I'm sure that people love to listen yeah. to things about themselves. They do. I love to find, th- I, I did when I played sports, whatever, but I genuinely was very upset when he tweeted on March 26th, team blue for five life. I was genuinely annoyed after he tweeted out that he was going to the NBA draft. Like I was super petty annoyed by that. Now I'm not seeing his tweet and now it's making sense. Uh, so are you, are you thinking that this means he's staying? I mean, cause so, okay. So this is, as we record this, this tweet goes out about 24 hours ago. Cause we record on Sunday nights. This goes out on Saturday night. You know, I was gone all weekend out of town with my kids. So, you know, I, I wasn't uh, super wired into what's happening, but this, this is, a, this is a typical vague 
Pete's gonna have to carry about the next two minutes because I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to gather my my whole like, shtick, over here. Yeah. So so Jordan Nesbitt is one of these guys who came in. Um, you know, I, I think most people probably listening to this know the story. Comes in from from Memphis. He picked Memphis over Slew in Illinois. Decides to enroll early at Memphis in the middle of last season, halfway through the semester break. He goes there. He doesn't really play doesn't really fit in, gets frustrated, leaves, comes home to St. Louis, right? So he's on SLU's roster as a redshirt freshman this year. And he's a supremely talented guy, six and a half feet, about uh, really athletic. We, we talked about a lot this season, how we didn't necessarily work him into our schemes necessarily the way, um, you know, we may have. He's a good offensive rebound, uh, rebounder, high energy player, good finisher, uh, didn't get uh he he didn't put together quite the numbers that I think he could have but the potential is certainly there and I and we kind of thought like he has he has the ability to come back as a sophomore and string together a really good season um I don't think anybody saw an NBA draft declaration happening quite this soon I think that was that caught a lot of us off guard you included yeah um yeah so he posts and i went to look for it to read it and it's it's no longer there um so now we have a large mystery the size the size of a disney channel original movie um i mean i think we have to assume this is like that lindsay lohan disney channel original movie where she has to solve the mystery of her missing teacher he got rid of it on Instagram too. I'm looking at oh, Instagram now. Um, so yeah, it's a little. <laughs> this is why. This is why at the end of this episode, you're gonna hear it, where I tell you you need to watch this show on YouTube, because yeah. I'm. <laughs> yeah, we're just you know. You can watch him melt down in person. This is, I guess, where we, if we we'd have a producer in our ear like two or three minutes ago, going, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna put this on pause. We're gonna edit something together." But to be perfectly frank, there's not like an, an easy answer right there. No, he took down he took down the the NBA draft declaration posts, and then yesterday, uh, two days ago, if you're listening to this at when it drops Saturday night, he tweets. You know, he gets he gets rid of those. He deletes those posts and then and then puts out a vague sort of, you know, Billiken team Billiken five L. Yeah. More than for life. It's you know. so I guess we'll just leave it with to be continued. Yeah. Um, but he, hold on. Here's the a little twisty to it all. He still has the Rothstein retweet. Yeah, and everybody I, I knows that. that Rothstein speaks for America, and Jordan Nesbitt is an American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter is very angry with me. Rothstein is my least favorite person on it. Well, that, I, well, maybe we'll do a special episode sometime trying to figure out if he's a real person. Um, <laughs> and the the robot, uh, our robot overlords are here. Yeah, way Not- sooner than. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Now uh, we have we have to take a trip to Bar Coastal and see if we can find him. Just <laughs> sit up there for a week straight. Oh God. Uh All right, now now I definitely want to move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
this this is maybe my favorite moment in the history of this show. Uh, the transfer portal, though. Um, Jimmy Bell Jr., is he coming back? Well, he could. I mean, in, in the interesting, um, I guess, news, if you want to call it here, is that uh, SLU is kind of in the mix for him again. Um, Jimmy Bell, as we know, left SLU um, heading into this past season and went to Moberly Area uh, Community College out in um, central Missouri. What, what, what's that, about a half hour or so north of Columbia? Um, I believe so. And that's where Sincere Parker, one of our three signed players for this upcoming year, is too. So, so it's kind of a double layer of interest to kind of follow them this year. Um, but uh, but it was reported that that he is, um, you know, he's he's heard from a number of coaches, uh, including West Virginia, where he's going to visit soon. East Tennessee State, he just visited this past uh, weekend, um, and and it it came up that St. Louis is talking to him again. So uh, again, to be continued, and we'll see. And he's definitely going to go on these visits and and kind of, in his words, see what place feels like home. But I don't know. Slew could be in the mix. What do you think about uh, the potential return? I want to I want to know what number player he would be to do that. To lead, like in the NCAA in Division One specifically, that's a I, wild move. It, it, it is, and I and not just transferring there and back, which I, I can't think of another example, but going to a JUCO and then coming yeah. back. It, everything about it is really uh, is really strange. I mean, I know there were some rumblings that maybe he didn't want to leave, um, and, but I don't think there. I I'll say that I'll say this: he may not have wanted to leave, but it wasn't the coach's decision for him to leave. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, another to be continued. And, right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pete, you are known as the guru of all things Billiken recruiting, and there's th- we were at least in contact with some people down at IMG Academy. Yeah, slew coaches. At, well, at least one the tweet coach. was weird. The tweet, the tweet was we- weirdly worded. It, it, it was, but here's something you run into a lot in basketball recruiting. They'll talk about um, IMG Academy, they'll say, has has this many guys who are unsigned spring 2022 um, available players. And they'll say, here are the coaching staffs who are who are said to be coming in tomorrow to watch. Now, you don't know exactly what guys on that list, what schools are looking at. And, and, and I, I run into this constantly because I'm trying to figure out what schools are interested in a player, including SLU and, and vice versa. And, um, you know, what other guys just might incidentally be there to use a local example, you know, before they transferred, you had um, Terrace Reed and um, Damian Mayo, both at Chaminade, both of whom projected as D1 level recruits. Terrace Reed was a high solid four-star recruit with the whole big 10 recruiting him damian mayo was a little bit lower level who a guy who had a lot of interest but no not really any offers so you might see michigan's going to be at chaminade tomorrow uh you know watching uh four-star terrace reed along with uh you know six three wing damian mayo and you're kind of like well, I'm sorry, they would have a list of schools. So it would say like Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Purdue, Illinois, SLU, Mizzou, K-State, SIUE, 
SIUC and UMKC. They're all going to be there. And you're kind of like, well, I bet not all of those schools are looking at the same guy. Like, I don't think Edwardsville showing up to Chaminade's gym after, you know, after Terrace Reed has all of these big 10 offers trying to land him. You know what I mean? So, so you wind up with these kind of like, here's a bunch of schools, here's a bunch of players in the same tweet, and you're trying to figure out who's interested in, in, in who. That's a long way of saying <laughs> it was reported that SLU would be going down to IMG Academy to see two or four. There were four names on the tweet, Jorge and Guillermo Diaz, who are Spanish twins, actually from the Canary Islands. And then two other players, Jaden Kirkwood and Lorenzo Washington. Now, if I'm looking at this tweet, I, I, I did just cursory research on Kirkwood and Washington. And it seems like both of those guys are a little more marginal. Um, the Diaz twins, on the other hand, six foot 11 and seven feet tall. Um, both of them are considered top 150 players and neither of them really have many offers. It's a, it's a very weird time right now because so many schools are recruiting the portal so heavily. You've got these not even diamonds in the rough. I mean, diamonds just not in the top <laughs> shelf like they're very, at k jewelers yeah they're very much on display they're just not like right <laughs> on top of the counter um these guys are six like i said seven foot six foot eleven they handle it they they both shoot it at the perimeter they rebound i mean they're skinny you know they're they're like they're like 190 um but they they really are impressive players and they're going to need to bulk up and learn how to defend but these guys really look like impressive um, college players. And if SLU can even get in the mix on, on one or both of them, because they, they said they don't necessarily have to be a package deal. Um, if SLU can get in the mix on these guys, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a very welcome development in what has otherwise been a really quiet recruiting period for SLU. I have to apologize to West Pine Bills right now for not making an uncut gems reference. Hmm. Because <laughs> that, you know, this is how I win, you know, that kind of. These uh, guys are built kind of like Kevin Garnett. If we want Yes. To bring that all right. All right. <laughs> I'm not I, saying they're that. I, good, I'm going to start wearing a leather jacket, chains and transition lenses. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's go. I think we did. We yes. probably, we do have some listeners who, uh, who bet parlays like he did in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know we do. I've, I, I believe, uh, I believe Eddie Marugi is one of those those gentlemen. I'm not calling out anybody by name. I just know they're out. Well, no, hey, hey, he's on Twitter talking about his parlay. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not calling him out on anything. Yeah, but I love that. Like when I looked at that tweet though, because it said Kirkwood in Washington, and all of all I could think about are high schools in the St. Louis area. Right, I know. I was like, wait a minute, they're at (laughs) IMG Academy and the Kirkwood boy. What? I I know. I was very, uh, very confused. Um, Speaking of confusion, uh, the A10 coaching carousel had quite a bit of confusion. Uh, UMass. Uh, ran the gamut of available coaches in the past week. This was weird because like <laughs> it got, it got exhausting after a while. It was, it was annoying. It, uh, eventually. As soon as McCall was fired, Martin's name came up and immediately people were like, he's got Northeast ties. His wife went to UMass. She was a track star there. Um, you know, back in her day, uh, this one makes a lot of sense. You know, he just got fired at South Carolina. 
Um, he wasn't known to be in the, the mix anywhere else. And then it just kind of languished for how long has it been now? Almost two and, weeks or something yeah, like that. No, it was like 20 plus days. Oh, man, that's it's an eternity in this this coaching cycle. And um, we're going to get into eternities in the coaching cycle when we talk about oh, the women's God. coach, too. Well, yeah, but, but so regardless, it was kind of like, what's going on here? You know, like this seems like such a, you know, if, if, if UMass is going to make a move and this guy's available, like, like what's what's the holdup here? What's going on? So I don't know if Martin was kind of waiting out and seeing what other options there were. Um, I really have no idea. But in the end, it was Martin. And and it was painful for us. It was painful for our Twitter because A10 Twitter was disproportionately talking about this coach, coaching vacancy more than anything else over the last couple of weeks. And I'm tired of it. Yeah, Schmidt was uh, not not oh, that new, was the not, best part. Not, not new girl Schmidt. We're talking about Mark Schmidt. Yeah, why don't you why don't you run us through that? Because that was kind of the funniest part of this whole thing. So I mean, funniest, Blouch, most annoying. Bla, what Blauchin is his name? Yeah, uh, this, I don't even know who the hell this guy is, but he was pumping up the idea that Mark Schmidt was gonna. I don't know if he was just messing with UMass fans, but he kept saying that Mark, or maybe messing Bonaventure fans. You know, Bonaventure's in the middle of an NIT run. Um, He's saying that Mark Schmidt has agreed in principle and that'll be announced in the next couple of days. And I think Curry Hicks Sage was kind of poo-pooing him, just calling him a hack, like no, no, no idea what he's talking about, which turned out to be true. Um, but yeah, it just went on for like three days where it was the, the Blaudchen was telling people that Mark Schmidt was going to leave Bonaventure for UMass. And it turned out to be Martin heading from South Carolina to UMass. Yeah. So, and in the meantime, it's rumored that Schmidt's going to get a raise at Bonaventure. Um, I don't know if that's been <laughs> finalized. I mean, he could go somewhere else too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, what they win an NIT. He's like, all right, well, all my guys are leaving. I, I really would love them to win this NIT so that we no longer have to deal with any of these Bonaventure players, give them their closure and get them the hell out. Yeah, yeah, a coaching change would help too. But yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know, Schmidt strikes me as such a Northeast guy. It's it, it, it seems to me like there aren't a whole lot of jobs that would be. Schmidt to St. Peter's confirmed. <laughs> that would be awesome. Hey, hey it's, they've gone further in the NCAA tournament in the last, you know. Yeah, well, years. hey, then, then than anybody uh in our conference and i mean I, what was dayton the last team to make an elite eight uh which was mason <laughs> well no dayton, well, i know george mason wasn't in the a10 though yeah but george mason made a final four yeah but that wasn't as yeah. recent as as dayton yeah. went on that run right 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 right, yeah. right vcu maybe before that <sighs> yeah anyway yeah you're right i mean there's uh I don't know. St. Peter, Peter's could be a, a, a hot job at that level. But re regardless, uh, Mark Schmidt is not going to UMass. Um, meanwhile, we've got a couple more vacancies in the A-10. Yeah, uh, LaSalle. Uh, they took It took them a while. I guess they were waiting to have a meeting. Yeah. Uh, Ashley Howard is no longer uh, in, employed at the University of LaSalle. LaSalle University. Sorry, Gola boys. Uh, rumor. Tell tell us about uh, the 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 rumor that a uh, uh, that a former A ten coach could be coming back to the A ten. Brand Dunphy, 
uh, not just former A10, but former Philadelphia area coach. That would be. I didn't know he was alive. I'm sorry. It's... <laughs> I thought he was dead. It would. Uh, it, it's to. So yeah, I mean that's the perfect illustration of. Wait, oh, he's the AD exactly... at Temple. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, this is not exactly a, uh, a a sexy pick here. You know, this is a 73 year old. He's not some up and comer. It's I, I don't know if they just kind of want to keep the program warm for a few years. I'm, I'm not really sure what uh, what the angle is here or uh, Shaheen or, Holloway is not available. Uh, no, no, he's not going to be available. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the te- the Temple AD job is is not a great one. They went in on uh, on football, and it seems like that's been at the expense of basketball, um, and and their other programs. And basketball has been such a proud program there for so long, and now it's just it's an afterthought. Um, so so maybe that's not a great AD job. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure what LaSalle wants to do with this hire. But that that actually, I mean, it's a pretty interesting rumor if it if it's the truth. Yeah, I think that's a, it'd be a, it'd be a good hire for LaSalle. I re, I think so. I, I mean, I think. Yeah, I, I, but again, it's it's not a, a hire that's like here's right, a long right. term. Look but at our but LaSalle's future. not sexy. So both they, ways, you're like, so, hey, this is a great fit. Well, no, yeah, I mean, I think. Well, first of all, there's rumors that they are not rumors, but I think they're working on revamping their basketball arena, arena in air quotes. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, I, mean, that, I know they're certainly... trying to put money into it. So, I mean, maybe you bring in a guy like Fran Dunphy, like kind of, it's, it's a Majerus hire. Ooh. It's, it's a guy who can, who can rebuild the program. He knows the Northeast and yeah. he, he's a guy that, you know, he's not, he's going to, he's going to come in for five years, maybe point them in the direction of a better coach that can take over. And, yeah. and, you know, so you bring him in uh, to go along with your new arena. You build the pro. It's it literally mirrors the Rick Majerus hire. As soon as you put it in those terms, which I had not thought of, I actually think it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I I legitimately didn't have this idea until we, well, the peek behind the curtain. I don't have any like nothing I say is written down. Nothing. Pete can attest to this. Nothing I. None I think of this our, stuff I think is our listeners down. probably know that. Yeah. <laughs> So, which is, I think makes for better, better audio just cause I go off the rails way, way more. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I, yeah, I, I, I like, I like that though. I, 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 now that you say that, I mean, it's, you know, fine. I mean, like, look, it's, they, they've been in the, in the bottom the of pooper? the A-10 for how long? <laughs> so, so if there's a guy who's local, who's a good coach who gets it, I mean, yeah. If, if he hires the right assistants, then yeah, so be it. I think that's, that maybe does make sense. Um, let's, let's, uh, well, GW, the search continues, uh, yeah. Bill, uh, uh, Adam Sandler and the water boy voice, uh, no mama, the search continues, uh, the gorilla that punched him in the eye. You know what I'm talking about? I, 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 I mean, I haven't seen the film in 20, oh, 25 years, but yeah, so, so sure. funny. Um, women's basketball, uh, obviously Lisa stone was let go. Uh, I believe her contract probably was just not renewed. Um, obviously, there are going to be transfers and decommitments uh, when a coach is not retained or leaves or is fired. Pete, tell the fans what they need to know. 
So the only transfer so far, I believe, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Zach, but is Natalie McNeil, who was the third leading scorer this season, um, a role that she kind of she kind of had to step up to and fill out because um, of how many injuries we had this year. Um, you know, so Mc, McNeil averaged over nine points a game um, after playing really not many minutes as a freshman. And uh, to her credit, she stepped up and did admirably, especially as the season went on. She did kind of did better and better. Um, but she's the first one to announce a transfer after Stone's firing. And, um, well, I guess technically Kaija Harbison did too as a grad transfer. But I, I think you that, wonder, I, that's the, that was that was before yeah. we're, we're going to we're going to so get I into that. I, I think, okay. yeah, no, we'll get into that. But uh Talk about the uh, there's one that is decommitted. Yeah. And so, well, and, and so, uh, and I don't know with the other three 2022, because, because Lisa Stone had four 2022, meaning high school senior player um, players who were signed already. And one of them, Mackenzie Hare, a five, nine guard out of neighbor neighborville North um, outside the Chicago area um, got out of her LOI and uh, has reopened her recruitment. Now there are three others, um, Abby Liber, Mia Nicastro, and Ashley Connor. And um, we, have, we don't know the word on any of those yet. They could be playing kind of wait and see with the new coach. Um, it could just be a, you know, a matter of like getting out of their LOI and the paperwork taking a little time, don't know. And then Stone also had a 2023 commitment, um, a player from Wisconsin, Macy Donarski, uh, a good point guard, actually. Um, and she hasn't given word yet either. Now she got a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. She's got, <laughs> she's got a lot more time than the others. So, so we'll, uh, we'll update you as soon as we know anything on, on those players. But uh, like I said, it could be timing. It could be contingent upon the new hire. Um, and, and speaking of the new hire, uh, we don't have one yet, but, uh, but what no, are you thinking don't. on that front? I mean, look, okay. So my, my whole like everything feels like it's leading to one one person everything look i think i think they knew stone wasn't coming back i think you look at you look at kaija harbison you look at the senior night like why wouldn't mst come back why wouldn't kaija come back like i i think they knew that lisa stone was done i think that there's no reason why well first of all the when the announcement came may said there would be no comment so it's not surprising that it's been tight-lipped but i am i'm under the impression that you wouldn't like if you're firing stone you have you know who you want right or you have you have somebody lined up and if you have that happen already if you have somebody lined up already they'd already be signed on so they're still coaching right now which leads me to the major name that was mentioned on Twitter, the only one that makes sense, because I guarantee you we're not going to hire Niall Ivey away from Notre Dame, and, and that's Deanna Jackson Durrett. And I think we are watching her right now being, being an assistant for the University of Texas in the NCAA tournament. If they lose to Stanford tonight, they, within a week, she will be announced as the next head coach of your women's basketball team. I am you know, fully supportive of that being the case, if that is. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean. That would be a home run. 
Yes, it would be. And I think if you, the only way you can, I mean, Lisa Stone was a home run when you hired her. She still is a home run. She brought your program back from the depths of hell. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you only fire a home run if you can hit a grand slam. And Deanna yeah. Jackson Dirt is the grand slam. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I, I mean, I don't see any other option. Dayton just hired their coach, which was a Division three head coach who just finished her first season. Uh, I was surprised they didn't hire from within, honestly. Uh, and uh, I don't think that – and I know the name uh, – what's her name? Uh, who was the assistant for SLU that went to Dayton um, to work under Shauna Green? Um, I'm, I'm blanking. Her name, yeah. Um, but I know her name was floated – uh, out there as uh, a potential uh, replacement. And it was, well, Dayton hired Tamika Williams Jeter. Uh, and she was the D3 coach at, um, I, I have no idea where, uh, she was, uh, Olivia Applewhite was the former Billiken mm, assistant. Okay. Um, and I know she had been um, kind of floated there a little bit. Um, but she was a, uh, Tamika Williams Jeter, who they just hired, uh, was, she coached, uh, at Kansas, Kentucky, Penn state, Ohio state, and then, uh, has head coaching experience at Wittenberg and, and ready for this one. This is wild. She was the head coach of the India national team, hmm. the India Indian women's basketball wow. national team. That's like Bob Bradley coaching Egypt. It's uh Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I don't know. I just noticed that and that's really kind of cool. It is. Uh, it is. And and yeah, you know, to to kind of circle back on um Deanna Jackson Durrett, who uh, you know, who we, we both are 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 banging the drum for. So so just to remind people, she is from St. Louis. If you recognize her name, she would have been Deanna Jackson at the time. Parkway West High School. Um, she was the uh, Missouri Player of the Year, 2001, which means same age as me, 2001. She was Oklahoma class of 2005 and was drafted in the WNBA, um, but didn't really play much in the WNBA, just a little bit with uh, the Chicago Sky and then bounced around, you know, Israel, Switzerland um, before getting into assistant coaching. She's been an assistant at SEMO, George Mason, Mississippi State, um, was the associate head coach at Mississippi State and for the past two years has been the associate head coach at Texas. Um, it's a great profile on, on paper. She's from St. Louis, uh, really well regarded in coaching circles. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not just like uh, pulling a name out of thin air or, you know, someone who has, happens to be a hot up and comer at the time. I mean, this is, a, this is an outstanding bio for a, a potential hire if 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 zach's you know red tea leaves <laughs> i was gonna say red yarn strung between thumbtacks <laughs> on your if, um, if it's all pointing to that middle picture of of her uh if, if he's correct in his uh conspiracy theory here um that that's why we're so high on her yeah and, and we talked about the credentials of uh dayton's head coach um and again, that's another thing, you know, I, 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 Olivia Applewhite, I'm sure she's a great assistant coach right now. Right. But if Dayton's not going to hire her, you have to keep up with the Joneses. 
in this conference. And I mean, Olivia Applewhite has great credentials. She spent five seasons under Lisa Stone. Um, and as a, as an assistant coach and director of operations, video coordinator and graduate assistant, she spent a year under Shauna Green at Dayton. But again, look at the credentials of, uh, the, the woman they just hired, uh, Tamika Williams Jeter. Uh, it's off the charts, right? There's a lot more to it. Um, and, and I think, uh, someone more, I mean, obviously Deanna Jackson dirt checks those boxes multiple times over. So. Yeah, and she's not. You know, there are other good candidates out there. Absolutely, she's uh, she's our favorite. But it moment. just feels like it feels like there's not been anything. There's, I mean, and of course, there's not as much media speculation around right. women's yeah. basketball. We, we don't, that's right. true. But you would at least, I feel like there would be leaks, right? And, yeah. and a local a local reporter throwing it out. She was the one who threw it out originally. I forget who. What was her name, man? I got, I, did I credit her last episode? Cause I feel like we I, did, we did credit her last episode. Um, but I'm trying to remember it starts with an M. Yeah. It's a double M. I yeah. Think um, I'm pulling up Stu Durando's Twitter account right now, but yeah, I mean, I, you feel like if they didn't have somebody already, you feel like they would at least be like, okay, there's people that are hearing from that may be in talks or, uh, have reached out to so-and-so and, uh, there's just none of that there. And, yeah. uh, it just, uh, Michaela McGee. Yeah. That's Michaela it. McGee. So shout out Michaela McGee. I hope you listen to the show. Cause that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's, uh, where, where does she work now? Oh, uh, sorry. She was miss St. Louis USA, but she uh, says she's an anchor, anchor reporter, reporter host. host. I thought she was on a local, uh, local outlet, but I'm not sure. Fox two probably. Yeah, she's got she's, Fox 2 retweeted. She's retweeted, yeah. So Fox 2. All right. So Michaela McGee, you know, yeah, again, shout out. She was the first that we saw mention it. Um, and it seems like a pretty inspired And choice. if she is a St. Louis, you know, uh, personality, uh, I mean, she would probably be, you know, in with Deanna Jackson Durrett as, as a friend, perhaps. So, um, yeah. Please, dear Lord, let Deanna Jackson Derrick be the next head coach of your women's basketball team because I'll look like an absolute genius. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, uh, let's 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 go ahead and move on. All right, Billiken fans, we got a really cool interview. Something a little bit different than normal. Um, we actually have Jordan Neisler. I think I hope I said that right. You did. Uh, awesome. Uh, I should have asked you before I started this, um, but we have Jordan Neisler. He is, uh, he works with the athletic department. If you've seen any of the content on Twitter uh, with the videos, the post game videos, that's all him, uh, man. I got to say, I'm a huge fan of, of the videos. They're super cool. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Heard a lot about Midtown Madness you on Twitter all the time. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. Oh, well, we, we definitely appreciate that. Uh, give, give us a little background about yourself. You, are you, you're from St. Louis, correct? Yeah, uh, born and raised in St. Louis. Um, always followed the Billikens from afar, so it's been cool for me to get in with the athletic department and, you know, do what I do. It's been awesome. Where, where did you go to, to go to college at? Did you go to SLU? No, I graduated from Maryville in August or in May of 21 and then started at SLU in August of 21. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 
I mean, like, how did you kind of uh, get into the? Uh, are, you're not you're not an intern. You you work for the university, right? Or the athletic department. I'm a, I'm a external intern in the athletic department. Okay. I still have that intern title on me. <laughs> was this position something they had before that they've kind of been cycling through, or or was it kind of created and you were the first to take it on? As far as I know, um, I was the first to be like this like kind of like content social media intern person mm -hmm. um, as far as I know um, so glad that I was able to be that first person uh, what what are some of your influences or inspirations when it comes to your video production because I mean I've I've noticed it's very you know uh, cinematic and theatrical um, where do you kind of draw your inspiration from for those um, yeah I kind of especially for like the recap ones, like a big thing for me is trying to keep it as like professional and cinematic and high end as possible. Um, definitely have gotten inspiration from all of Duke's platforms. I think what they do is like, obviously the best sports social media and you know, the professional or collegiate landscape. I think they're just insane at what they do. Um, but I've just, just from my education of how I learned like to do photo and video, kind of just like taking that into what I do at SLU. Um, so it's nothing necessarily like, you know, I went to school and I was like, I have to do it this way. It's kind of just like how I learned, um, to create and brought my style to all that content there. What are the, what are the tools that you're, uh, that you're using to put out this, this awesome content? Um, so I have my camera, I shoot with a Nikon Z6. Um, everyone's gonna be like, oh my God, you shoot Nikon and not Sony. And I'm like, yeah, kind of. Um, but I, I'm thinking about transitioning to Sony, but that's for another conversation. But yeah, I use my Nikon and my MacBook Pro right here is my entire life. So I use Premiere, Lightroom, all that wonderful Adobe, Adobe sweet stuff. Yeah, I went to, uh, when I was at SLU, we used Final Cut Pro. Uh, another but, good one. Another uh, good un one. Unfortunately, I, cannot, I can no longer afford. So I actually just, oh, I edit this whole show on, doing it on video is actually just out of necessity for using iMovie yeah. uh, because it's just the easiest way to transition it from uh, to audio to edit audio instead yeah. of using something like audacity or whatever uh, but yeah I, I I really don't like how did like how many road trips are were you on this year because you seem to be oh uh, in the uh, are you on every road trip? So when I first started in August, I didn't travel with anybody. Um, I only, the first time I traveled with a team was um, with women's soccer when their conference tournament started. So I went to Dayton with them. And then um, then obviously they won. So we went to Ole Miss for the first round of the NCAA tournament, then right to Rutgers for the second round. And then when that ended was when um, like the men had like their championship at Herman and then I went with them to, I think it was Duke was first. And then we went to uh, Washington and then done with soccer traveling and then basketball had already started. They were like pretty far into their non-conference schedule. Um, so then after the first of the year, I was on every road trip with them besides UMass because I had COVID, but um, everything with them for essentially the entire conference schedule and postseason. How much of what uh, we're seeing at the end of the game, like in one of your videos, are you the one actively shooting or are you kind of taking pieces of what other people put together as well? Everything in the recap video is all mine. 
like everything that um, you saw social media on Instagram and Twitter with like the in-game highlights, all that's me. Um, most of the pregame stuff I did with one of the uh, student interns. So we kind of collaborate a lot on um, pregame stuff. And then the in-game content at home, we kind of tag teamed a little bit. So a couple of those videos are his, it's about 50-50 mine and his, and then all road stuff like travel, recaps, all of that's mine. When you're on the road or at a game, how much are you actively, uh, is that red light on? How much are you actively recording? I would say like a solid 95% of the game. Um, when we're, when we travel, I usually only do like pictures and video of us, like getting on and off the plane. And then I might do stuff like getting to the hotel. But if it's when we're in the hotel, like, especially this year it was hard because you had to be a little cognizant of like COVID regulations and, you know, what you put out with masks and masks, you know, all that stuff. So um, that was a little bit harder, but whenever we're like actively like en route somewhere, going to practice or a shoot around or going to the game, anytime a player's around, like I'm recording everything. And are you trying to be uh, invisible, a uh, fly on the wall, or are you really interacting with everyone and kind of saying like, you know, like, like, are you giving them any like, hey, hey, could you, could you walk by one more time <laughs> or something like that? And any I would notes? say like whenever we're whenever it's a game day and they're in like practice mode or like game mode um i don't have much interaction with anybody because i'm trying to just let them go about like how they prepare and all that stuff let them stay in their own little bubble um but if there's like a video that we're trying to put together for like a promotion or uh something along those lines and a, a lot of it's staged like the video of fred thatch wearing a sweatshirt like that was all me and fred put that together um yeah but no like i i tried as much as possible to stay on fly on the wall but they also know that i'm there and um filming things to you know put the program in a great light so they know like kind of what i'm doing and why i'm there so it's not necessarily like it's a like an awkward encounter if someone like sees me or like makes eye contact with me or something when i'm shooting so by now i mean most of the players are kind of familiar with you and what you're doing and trying to get in a lot yeah i i met the team in like June before I started, before I even knew the position had was even a thing. Um, I did a lot of stuff for a couple of players and was in shape. It's a little bit here and there when they did like open runs in the summer. So I knew like, I would say, you know, a majority of the team before I even started at SLU. So that was this, the awkwardness of like a random person recording everything that what that never really was a thing. Uh, who, is there anybody on the team that likes to ham it up? whenever they see you or li likes to, you know, put, put on a little, uh, a little flare whenever the camera's around. I should turn that question around on you. Who do you think? Oh, it's gotta be TJ Pete. Yeah. That's, TJ, that's kind of yeah. an easy one. TJ, TJ, I bet, uh, I bet Nesbitt. I bet, uh, Oh, who else? Those two kind of come to mind first. I don't know. Yeah, I would say, I would say, and I, I don't even see this as a bad thing. Like I would say TJ is very, very good and comfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, but definitely they like to perform when it's on, but um, they know when it's time for business, they, they can get into game mode and turn me off a little bit, but it's def definitely TJ. Yeah. I, I said, I, th I don't know if I ever said it on a podcast, but I said, I saw WWE did a uh, NLI 
uh, or NIL uh, thing, like their like next program, like for wrestling. And I was mm-hmm. like, TJ, if TJ doesn't do basketball, he's gotta he's gotta at least reach out to the W. I mean, he's got the right combination of athleticism and like and ham personality for that. Yeah, he's the man. Like that, that's part of what makes the job so fun. Is like obviously it's intense a lot of the times and um it's business 99 percent of the time but that one percent of that cool uh interaction with players it's it's pretty fun to have that connection what what's like kind of the interactions between you and like like how do the co- how does the coaching staff react to, to videos like do you spend much of your time even focusing on videos of coaching staff or um i i film them the, as much as i film players i just don't include them as much and there's a lot like locker room stuff that you know obviously has to be like no audio so if it's i put it in a recap it'll just be like a slow motion like coach Ford, like with like a hand movement as he's talking type of thing um but i will say coach does like um he'll come up with a video idea sometimes and he'll just kind of run with it um that didn't happen as much this season but um no he definitely has his own creative mind that you see every now and then but the coaches are really cool they don't they know the job that I'm doing and, you know, the potential that it has to help the program. So they're kind of like, you know what, do your thing. Like we trust you, which has been awesome for me. Is, is anything like off limits to you? When I was, I, you know, I'm 39. When I was there, obviously your position did not exist. Zach, I heard that, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, like, so back in that era, you know, you're talking about like coach Soderbergh, who I spent most of my college career with as, as a manager, and um, he was really like protective about information and what people saw. He liked his, pla- his practices mostly closed off. Um, are, are, are they ever, do they ever kind of give you like, all right, not here, not now? I haven't gotten that yet. Um, but when I first started, I didn't do as much like filming when I first started. I kind of just like went to practices and like kind of got a lay for the land and how like things operate um because I didn't want to like come in here right away and like all of a sudden there's this new guy here with a camera that no one knows um especially for the coaches because I didn't know the coaches I knew the players so a lot of it at the at the beginning was just kind of being at practice and kind of walking around in the background and just seeing like how how things worked and then once I got to know people a little bit better it was um it was more it's I feel like I don't know the the relationship between me and what I do and like the coaches on a professional level is very like trust driven I would say like like you kind of have to have an idea of like okay if I post this is this gonna be a good idea or a bad idea um so a lot of things that like like huddle talks I don't really post those and if I would I would you know show coaches the video first and be like hey like can I post this like huddle talk you know um, but I, nothing is really off limits. Like I'm in the locker room before the game in the locker room after the game. So yeah, it's kind of just a trust relationship type of thing. Uh, what is your literal game plan on, on <laughs> for, for the games? Uh, how do you map out? Do you have a, like a map out of like what, where you're going to be at a certain time? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a big thing for me, like at the beginning, like 
obviously if you go to a college basketball game it's different like watching that watching it and knowing what's going on rather than like knowing what actually goes on like when people aren't out there and on the court um so I had to like talk to BK a lot and I was like you got to tell me where people are going to be and where like I don't I don't know what's going on um so he he helped me a lot with like like uh telling me like the schedule of you know events before a game like they'll come out on the court they'll go to the locker room after the game they'll do media coach Ford will do his interview with Rammer um so it was kind of just like getting thrown into the deep end and just figuring out figuring it out during like exhibition season um and then after that uh they have such like a specific way they do things so nothing ever really changes um so once you see it the first time and kind of absorb like the routine that they have it's kind of hard to not be in the right spot if that makes sense Yeah. So um, you, you bring up BK. I mean, so are, are you still kind of constantly working closely with him? I work closely with BK every single day. Okay. Um, more like more than anybody else. Is he kind of your, your point person? Yeah, I would say during um, soccer season, I worked a lot with PD. Uh, PD did a lot of soccer content uh, before I had gotten there. So I worked a lot with him to figure out that world. And then when basketball started, um, cause BK travels with the team too. So I was always like picking his brain about like things that the team does and like, what, what, what can we do to like get different content that we haven't done before? Um, yeah. And just using him as a resource. Cause he's like the goat in my eyes around there. Like he just, he BK, if you have a question, go to BK type of thing. So, uh, yeah, he's been huge in helping me kind of grow into this spot. You, you had quite the, uh, kind of the introduction to slew athletics you did you had a, a women's soccer program that was that was doing really well you had a, a, a historic run for men's soccer uh is there a favorite moment i know you mentioned you love you you're a big fan of duke's social media you got to go to duke but is there a favorite moment so far that you've uh you've gotten to witness and and uh kind of take in i will say that uh men's soccer when at duke was like that was sick. Um, and also women's soccer winning at Ole Miss, like those two soccer wise are like, it's going to take a lot this coming season to top those moments. Um, but I know obviously the women's team has people coming back off the injury and might have more of a, more of a healthy roster this year, fingers crossed. So maybe that moment will be topped a little bit, but beating Duke at Duke was like, and we, I don't, I can't say this for certain, but it definitely felt like it was a home game. Uh, our fans were just like going nuts the whole time. But for basketball, I would say Yuri hitting the game winner at George Mason was sick. Um, and then beating St. Bonaventure was just like made my entire year. So I would say those those are up there. And Jordan Nesbitt dunking to end the game against Dayton at home was pretty awesome too for many reasons. Jordi Jets the GOAT, but – so, so yeah <laughs> ask him what happened pete yeah <laughs> I, I i'm open about it I, like nothing really happened it was just they were just going back and forth it wasn't like that big of a deal in my nah, yeah, yeah, I mean, in the moment right that really got blown up you know with uh like, especially dayton fans on twitter like trying to claim that he pushed their player or something like that i mean it was if, like if someone would have been pushed it would have been a brawl that's oh all. yeah 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 like no, I, no one got pushed. Like, I don't know. It was just heat of the moment. Like, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't point fingers at any side. It was just heat of the moment rivalry game. Like it happens. But it, I, it was just a matter of him standing up, kind of, kind of jawing at him a little bit. And then the ball landed in a super weird spot. Yeah, the ball landed it was pinned between Jordair's leg and my shoulder. And I was like, get this ball away from me. I that can't. was yeah. you. That <laughs> so was you. Was Wait you. a minute. Yeah. yeah. Like okay. in the picture, that picture that, that was going around of like yeah. the ball, like at his knee, it was sitting on my shoulder. And I was like, oh his knee, God, someone, someone get, yeah. I was like, someone get this ball off of me. Like I'm not about to get in the middle of this, but. Did it, did at any point, did you want to just like, could you kind of tell, Hey, if the ball stays here, this could get weird. Like, so, I, I, or, or did you assume Jordan was going to like pick it up and throw it back or something? In the moment, like I knew, I knew Jordan had came and sat behind me um, <laughs> just because he's the goat. And I like grew up watching Jordan. So I was like, oh, that's sick. But um, like he wasn't like rowdy at all during the game. So I didn't think much of it. Um, but when Nez dunked and the ball bounced over me mm-hmm. and then I saw like, I think it was Malachi was walking towards me at that point. I'm not even thinking anything. I'm thinking he's just going to walk past me, pick up the ball and it's going to go. And then, cause I'm still looking at the camera, like filming Nez, like celebrate and run down the court. And then the next thing I know, I just see like everyone running towards me and I'm like, bro, what is going on? <laughs> and then it was over. And then it literally was over. So. <laughs> That's insane. I was, I'm so glad nothing happened. First of all, I'm, I'm super glad that Jordan took the heat off me because I was sitting right there being rowdy, <laughs> like right on the corner. Uh, yeah, I saw you. I saw you. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm super glad Jordan was there to take heat off me for anything I may or may not have done. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad it didn't get escalated. For, I was way too close to that and way too emotional like, to be, to be close to anything, anything more. So I'm, I'm super yeah. glad. Um, but speaking of, of kind of things kind of going haywire around you and you're filming, I always say that I would have been a bad media member, right? I, I worked in social media for a sports team right out of college. And then uh, I'm no longer doing that, obviously. But, <laughs> but I get too heavily invested in games. Um, do you find yourself where you kind of – start watching the game as a fan and you have to reel yourself in and how do you kind of keep your focus? I, so that's interesting that you asked that. Um, when I first started filming games at SLU, first of all, I'm so glad that there were two exhibition games to start that weren't close at all. Cause I didn't, I truly didn't know how like I would react being like such a huge basketball fan and like all of a sudden, like I'm involved in everything. Um, but it's crazy. Like whenever I'm filming, like sometimes it'll be halftime and I genuinely have no idea what the score is. Like, I, I don't know who's playing well. We could, we could be up by 30 points. I would have no idea. Like I, sometimes people are like, yeah, like shape went nuts after that play. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So it's kind of crazy in that aspect. Um, but when we were in the A-10 tournament, uh and playing St. Bonaventure it was like two minutes left in the game and obviously it was close and Jalen Attaway hit, hit a couple shots um and they get a turnover back down on our end and Jalen's about to inbound the ball to Kyle Lofton and Jalen's like looking at the crowd and I'm at this point not filming and I'm just kind of like observing and Jalen's like it's winning time it's winning time and like my fan like basketball fan mind kicked on and I was like oh shit like 
because it's like man Jalen Attaway saying when in time and he just just lights out from everywhere I was like no but that's the only time really that I was got disconnected but other than that like we could beat freaking Villanova by 30 points at home and I couldn't even tell you the score I think that shows too like in in that Nesbitt video in particular not to not to go back to that too much but the way you stay on him, you know, the whole yeah. time after that, after that play is happening, it, when it, it, you know, you very well could have switched it off at that point and been like, all right, I got to get myself out of this situation or I got to yeah. make sure this isn't weird or whatever. But the way you stayed on him, I could kind of tell like, all right, he's locked in on what he's doing here. Yeah. I, I genuinely have no idea what the score is until I look up at the scoreboard and tweet out the score graphics. I have no idea what's going on besides what's what I see on the camera screen. Uh, so a little background on uh, myself. I I did a little bit of what you do on a, on a very very basic level. Like I was using iMovie. I was taking video of soccer games from like the the platforms. Um, you can see the terrible videos I posted on YouTube from way back in the day. Um, but BK's always been a great mentor towards me and a great friend. And I, I you know. Um, I'll love BK forever. He's done yeah. amazing things for me. Uh, that's, do you, that's Brian Kunderman. Yeah, our, sorry. Our, we've been, we've been, we I meant to do that. I Come meant to BK. do that. Yeah. We're just I'm, big Burger King fans around here. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really meant to clarify that like 10 minutes ago. Um, but do you have any, any, any good stories about BK working with Brian? Hmm. Man, I don't know if I should tell this one. He might get mad at me if he sees this, but I'll tell. I, I think I think uh, certain uh, uh, people might get mad that you were even on the show. But anyway, uh, no, that's another. Never mind. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> so sometimes when we get off the plane, it is very, 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 very cold. Um. So BK always had like they looked like oven mitts that he would put on. <laughs> And I'm, I would always make fun of him. I'm like, BK, you got your mitts? And he, I was, I didn't know what they were. He was like, said they were like for golf or something. Cause he's like a golfer or whatever. And like, when we went to St. Bonaventure, it was freezing. And a couple other places where it was like, it was cold. And everyone would come off the plane, like, you know, like huddled up and stuff. And he'd come off just like wearing his mitts, like literally like oven mitts. And it was the funniest thing. So I just gave him a lot of crap for it. Um, and yeah we'll have to I'll, I'll have to shoot him a text to ask him if he's got he got his uh got his arby's mascot mitts on yeah just say hey bk you got your mitts it's gonna be cold tomorrow he'll be like oh my god who told you that <laughs> that's awesome. I'm, I'm i just googled golf mittens and now i now i see i'm not a golfer but i see what you're talking about they now. look like oven mitts yeah they're huge i yeah. think <laughs> oh, it's, it's I, hilarious I think I saw like a, like a dating profile and a girl was wearing, I think I know exactly what you're talking about too. Cause there was a picture of her in a golf cart wearing these mitts. And I was like, oh, I've never seen those before. And then I, I swiped think, left. I was like, BK, what are you wearing? Like, what are, <laughs> like, what are we doing? That hey, uh, Pete, any, anything? I yeah, do, I do actually. I'm curious. Yeah. So, so like, uh, just a couple other things. So, as you've been there, do you kind of feel your style changing? I mean, obviously, you're gaining experience and probably dialing certain things in. Yeah. But, uh, but over the course of uh, you know the year that you've been there, do you kind of feel like, oh, hey, I've I've developed in in a different way that I didn't quite expect? Yeah, I definitely feel like my like skills have definitely been enhanced because I have you know had to do it for such a 
long time for certain days that were like game days and whatever. Like I put in a lot of time doing um, like photo and video and social media while I'm there. So I definitely feel like I've gotten so much better. Um, and PD actually helped me a lot with like a lot more attention to detail. Um, Cause one of the first things he said uh, when I worked there was like, some of these accounts have like really big platforms. And I was like, yeah, like I get it, but I didn't really get it at the time. But like, like some of like the men's and women's soccer and men's basketball, like those platforms are huge. Um, and they reach a ton of people. Um, so he taught me a lot about like attention to detail and like making sure everything's like as close to perfect as possible when we put stuff out. So that has definitely helped me a lot too with what I do is um, just making sure everything's good to go three or four times and then hit that send button. Thankfully, we don't have a massive platform uh, <laughs> because uh, I, I already, I mean, I don't, I, I, I try to stay off. Like, I, I even hate reading replies on Billiken stuff. Like, I just, the, oh the replies on social media are just, it, it's, uh, there, there's nothing worse than YouTube replies, but uh, I mean, even like Twitter and Instagram are just kind of, it's tough yeah it's tough like lose one game and it's the end of the world to some people and i'm like oh my goodness hey hey it's the end of the world to me i just don't post about it and i respect it (laughs) yeah exactly i keep i I internalize that no it's funny like i've we've had a couple losses this season where i've gotten like dms on like my personal like twitter and personal instagram accounts being like tell this person to do this tell this person to do this and i'm like bro like you've got to relax (laughs) sorry about those dms by the way i didn't mean i i was drunk when i sent them (laughs) no that's funny wow (laughs) yeah i i i was i'm glad you brought that up because that was that was like one of the last things i wanted to ask you here was like how different is your approach to editing this thing when we lose versus when we win you know we had some tough losses this year that like i did not feel great about at the end yeah and uh you know, the last thing you want is like nine new hype videos, you know, right. <laughs> like, so I, how, uh, how do you have to like sort of police your tone at that time? I definitely like, so obviously um, for big games, if we're winning at halftime. So I have, I have two pictures kind of lined up for like graphics. Um, so at halftime, if we're winning, I like to post a graphic where a player looks like excited and it's like hype. Um if we're losing, I like to do like a huddle picture or like a not as like excited. Um, Cause then, you know, you'll just get clowned and people will reply like choose a better picture or like, like read the room or something like that. So I try to like keep in mind like what the response will be to everything. Um, same with like the final score graphics. Um, just kind of, like I said, reading the room before you post something. So it's, you know, you're giving the emotion that's there and not like, you know, losing to Davidson, you don't want to post like a everyone screaming and stuff and hyped up on a final score graphic that uh, knocked us out of the A10 tournament. So just kind of being like cognizant of that stuff and um, yeah. How how glad are you that you didn't have to do like you only had to do like one stock photo of a ball sitting on a court when the Drake game didn't have, like. Like I like the previous year, like the previous year had like had to be brutal for like for graphic designers everywhere to just have to do stock pitch pictures of rims and balls. Yeah, it 
Are you talking about just like like pictures? game canceled? You know how like it's like on ESPN, like it's always like just an empty building or like it's just yeah, always yeah. a stock photo. It's always yeah. But how happy are you that you did? You only had to like deal with that once this year. I'm so glad that we didn't have to go anywhere and then get canceled and have to come back home or do any of that stuff. Um, I was glad actually that I got COVID when we were in St. Louis because if I would have gotten COVID like around the team, I would have been like <laughs> my world would have just like shattered. I'm like, it's all my fault. But uh, no, it was. Imagine we were, those DMs. Absolutely not. Couldn't do it. <laughs> no, we were super fortunate this year and to only have to miss out on, I think just one, right? It was just the Drake game. Yeah. 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 And that, yeah. Hey, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was uh, a- absolute pleasure and, and definitely a learning experience, I think, for all of for, for Peter and myself and hopefully yeah. for our listeners as well. And given given us a little insight into your world and and how things work. So we really appreciate it. I think it's going to be an awesome, uh, awesome segment and people are going to be happy with it. Awesome. Thanks for not asking me about the transfer portal and who's coming back. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, is, is well, any- by the way, <laughs> is there anywhere we can uh, direct people to check out your stuff aside from just the, the, you know, the official slew Billiken social media? Yeah, you can follow my Instagram and Twitter. It's just my first and last name, Jordan Neisler. Um, yeah, it's my Twitter and my Instagram. They're both the same thing. I post most of my work on Instagram, but you might see a few things go out on Twitter, some retweets of, player stuff they post that i did so definitely two good spots to come say what's up but in a nice way <laughs> yeah now, now we know a good graphic designer that we uh we don't have to go to sb unfurled for our uh, <laughs> logos anymore man now if you need a graphic designer hit up the brother Can't yeah ask. oh yeah P- plug your brother stuff hold up let me i gotta see his exact at so i know because he'd be pissed if i you yeah, know his uh your brother's uh a big time uh, graphic designer oh big time cam nicer dot psd big time and that's oh. nicer and n-e-i-s-l-e-r yep. just so people get that right yeah dude he's like he's had like power five football programs reach out to him about like being like director of graphic design for their team and i'm just like dude it- it's super weird like tipton edits started as like a graphic designer and then he became like the 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 breaker of all recruiting news just because he was the one that was making the graphics like this dude knows the stuff before anybody else that's insane all right man well we'll let you go have a have a good evening and uh and enjoy the time uh i would imagine are you working with baseball and softball at all or yeah i'll get out there cool yeah, man. Hey, you got you gotta gotta get him uh gotta get him on the plus. We now we wanna watch some games. Got you. All right, take it easy, man. All right, thanks, thanks guys for having thanks. me. Yep. Pete, let's move on to uh to baseball. Um the Billikens all of a sudden find themselves thirteen and nine. Uh I believe. I think I had to do the math in my head because they did win today. Um they Tuesday, they had a game canceled at Missouri State, which is funny because the softball team also had a game uh, Tuesday at Missouri State. Both canceled. I don't know what the weather issue was there. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so they uh, they played Wednesday uh, against Illinois State. Uh, they – or no, I'm sorry. They played Friday against Illinois State uh, to the tune of a 15-7 to loss. 
Uh, losing pitcher Scott Youngbrandt in that one. Uh, however, uh, and, and they did have a game canceled on Saturday. But, Pete, they, they came back and won on Sunday, 8-2. Uh, to two. They did, and I'm glad they did because I kind of accidentally jinxed this one. A uh, little <laughs> peek behind the curtain when we were getting the, the notes together for this. We've got a shared, you know, Google Doc. And uh, <laughs> after seven innings, I decided it was over and put it in as a win. <laughs> And as I'm typing it in, I see, oh, wait a minute. It's the top of the eighth. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I just keep the doc. I kept the dock open all day while I was watching basketball and saw Peter was typing and, <laughs> and I typed in, if they lose, it's on you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was, I, I think he thought it was the seventh. Um, but yeah, this was, this was fun. I mean, to, to be fair, I did, uh, I did doze off a little bit with a little Sunday nappy uh, uh, mid-game, but it, w- it was nice to watch them on TV, although b- college baseball, man. I, I mean, that, that game started at 2, and I don't think it ended till till a little bit after 5.30. Yeah, it looked like a staff game for both teams. Um, you know, slew through six different pitchers. Uh, Illinois State, I think, uh, yes, yeah, seven, even more. So, um you know, I imagine this one got got dragged on a little bit. It was a relatively high scoring game at eight to two. And I'm just glad SLU, uh, you know, did me right. And instead of, uh, you know, coughing up a lead or something, they they actually gave me some insurance runs. Um, but, it, but it was a, yeah, like you said, good game. And, uh, you know, Tyler Harris got the win. Um, he, he was in in the, the fifth inning when SLU put, uh, put three on the board. And then, uh, you know, Cam Reddish hit a three-run shot in the seventh. Um, Redding, that's, sorry. Yeah, that's Cam, Cam Redding, not not Cam, not Reddish of always, um, Duke fame. Al- always basketball on the mind. But, yeah, Cam Redding, uh, you know, homered to center, um, three-run shot, put SLU up six to one. Um, Illinois State got one back, but, um, you know, SLU got two more in the eighth, and um, it's another win. Yeah, I, you know, not to get into a whole conversation about – uh, baseball and and pace of play and how to how to make the game better. But on a in the staff game got me thinking: Do we really need the coach to walk out to the mound for a pitching change to go get the ball? Like, what? what why do we still do that? I mean, I do. I, I don't want to sound like the guy that's like progress, move like you know like right. always come up with like take away all the the his, history of the game and everything. But like, do we like? I, I always hate when people are like it's 2020. Do we really need to do like? But I, I mean, do do we need to have the co- like like the like a hockey coach doesn't go and yank the goalie out, take his take it, like, <laughs> he doesn't I walk would, out on the ice. I would like to see that actually. Uh, <laughs> the coach coach with his suit and skates on go out to the goalie, you know, pat him on the shoulder. <laughs> um, it's not your yeah, day, I, son. I I do wonder, I mean, given all of the proposed rules changes at, you know, major league level that they kind of play around with in the minors, you know, you do wonder eventually if some of these sort of things will change. Um, that's could certainly we, something to look at, I think. Could we put the bullpen like behind a dugout, like down in the bottles, like that way he doesn't have to come from the outfield? Like, I don't yeah. know. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just... I'm spitballing at this point. I just can't believe nobody's ever thought like nobody's ever said that. Like of all the things, they're like pitch count or uh, right. p- uh, you know pitch clock, all this stuff. It's like, well, what about all the why? Why do 
why do we need the coach to walk all the way out to get the ball from him? Can't the can't the player just like wait for the other guy to come in and then yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I, I don't disagree, but 334 is a long time for a, a college baseball game that doesn't go into extra innings. You know, in, that's, that, that's not like uh, it doesn't have set commercial breaks and, and uh, right. you know, uh, promotions for the fans and stuff like that. I mean, like it, it should just be like a meat and potatoes, like nine inning baseball game. And it still takes over three and a half hours to play it. So. Yeah, and I mean that's a game that's at uh, the normal Corn Belter Stadium, so you at least have all the amenities that come with minor league baseball. Sure. Uh, whereas you know you're sitting on those cold ass bleachers here at the Billiken Sports Complex. Uh, I'm not making it. I- I'm I'm not gonna lie. That's not yeah. me. That's not me. Yeah. I I am enjoying these like uh ra- like seven inning situations. Yeah. Um, I, I clearly I don't disagree. If I was already uh, throwing the stats in the uh, <laughs> the shared doc, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I, I think I even said that. Like, I, I think a few podcasts ago, I said, "Why don't we just play seven? I mean, you it, it'll it would increase the 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 pro, the the product would be better. You wouldn't you know go as deep into the bullpen. I mean, sure, you'd have you know I don't know less. I mean, there's already not enough scholarships to go around in mm-hmm. baseball. There's, they've already complained about it enough. but right. uh, and, and that should be something that should be looked at as well. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway, upcoming, uh, the Billikens uh, will take on a tough SEMO team, uh, 329. Uh, that'd be March 29th at 5 p.m. Uh, they're 16-5, and five, and the last meeting did not go the Billikens' way, Pete. No, that was that was a sixteen to five loss. Um, you know, one of those things that right next to each other, I was like, oh, we must have one of those numbers wrong. Um, but no, big big loss for SLU, and uh, hopefully they can uh, be a lot more competitive in this one. Uh, coming up this weekend as well, they have Fordham on uh, April first, second, and third. Yeah, this weekend three. Uh, Early afternoon games, so I guess uh, Sunday is going to be an 11 a.m. game, um, and those are all up in the Bronx. Fordham, kind of the opposite record of SEMO. They're only 5-15 and 15 this season, so hopefully uh, SLU can get up there and get a sweep and, and, and really, you know, get in good shape in the A-10. Uh, one thing I did notice during the broadcast is that uh, uh, Bonaventure has not won a game this year. In baseball, that uh, uh, Illinois State put on, uh, put that out there. So that I thought that was kind of wild. Um, yeah. Softball had a, had a had a decent week. Had a, had a good weekend. Uh, they were very competitive in in their lone loss, but uh, they come away two or three against UMass. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, Chloe Wendling got the uh, got the decision in a nine three win. On the on the twenty sixth, they played a doubleheader that day. Although the second one got a little out of hand, sixteen ten loss. Yeah, that's a tough yeah. one. Taylor Hockman took the took the L in that one for the Billikens. Yeah. Softball super weird because you you generally generally only have two pitchers on staff because the motion I guess is not as as hard on the on the shoulder as uh, as a baseball throw. But good weekend for uh, softball. Uh, upcoming Wednesday, they will play here against Kansas City, and then 
Saturday and Sunday, they will play a doubleheader Saturday uh, at noon and 2 p.m. versus Rhode Island. And then Sunday, the 3rd, at noon as well. Um, yeah, before we move on, though, that 2-1 that win today, um, Chloe Wendling got the win. So that's two out of three this weekend that, that, that she pitches and got the win. Like you said, they can, they can kind of throw fewer arms. Um, she's all of a sudden nine and five on the year. So she has nine of the team's 11 wins. She's won seven straight, and now she's matched her career high in wins, which she set last season. Um, and they've still got over a month to play, close to six weeks left to play. Um, so, so great season she's having so far. Moving over to tennis, Pete. Uh, men's tennis continues to struggle a little bit. Yeah, they do. Um, dropped a 7-0 decision at uh, Illinois State on the 23rd, and they're down to 5-9 and nine on the season. Um, it's been a little bit since they, they had their last match, and they don't play again until April 6th, so they're kind of in a, in a weird part of the schedule where they're just not, not going very often. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been a, been a bit of a rough season for them. And obviously when you, when you drop a seven to nothing, uh, score like that, it's, uh, there's not really any individual performances to talk about either, but, you know, hopefully they've got a little time now where the weather gets a little bit warmer and, and maybe they can, uh, right the ship here and finish strong this spring. Well, one interesting thing to look at is this is a first year head coach uh we people we forget i don't think we talk about that a lot i mean we don't really talk about tennis in general a lot um but it's interesting for sports like this like uh track and field for swimming and diving for tennis because unlike the rest of the sports the same coach coaches men's and women's so it's kind of interesting to see the juxtaposition between the men's programs and the women's programs and you know, moving into the women's side, the women have had a really nice season. They really have. And, you know, I guess, I, I guess I hadn't thought of that. I guess track and slash cross country is the only other one. Um, swimming you know, with, and diving. Oh, swimming and diving yeah, too. Yeah. That's right. Um, you know, uh, so, so yeah, uh, it, it is kind of an interesting job, especially like you said, these teams have gone such different directions. Uh, the women's tennis, uh, one four to nothing against uh, Missouri State this week, um, and and Maya Spencer won in both singles and doubles. Um, so now their record's up to ten and five on the season. It's the first time they've had double digit wins in five years, and um, they've done it with four regular season matches plus the A10 championship still on the schedule. So um, an excellent turnaround season they've had under the new coach. And, uh, you know, their, their next match is the 30th at, out at Illinois State. Yeah, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, this first-year head coach do, do so well because I know that when he was hired, there was a little bit of trepidation from some alumni that I spoke with uh, about kind of the, the, the approach to recruiting. There's two very different approaches to recruiting when it comes to tennis. There is – Go get the players from uh, out out of the country, international players that aren't, uh, you know, making the, uh, you know, aren't playing like they're not elite, right? Whereas, or you come and you get the the local or the Americans that maybe are not there. You can either go international or American. It's hard to do both. 
Um, and there's two very different philosophies. So, and, and this coach tends to go with the international and then, and then grab a few kind of local prospects here and there. So, yeah, and, and that's actually, continuing what Zitch did. Yeah. And now that I'm looking at his bio, Justin Stuckey, he's actually, I guess it would technically be his first full year that hasn't been completely shortened by COVID. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's so, right. That's right. Yeah. I forget that I've been talking about him forever now. And then he, he brought on, um, so he's got an assistant coach, Alan Farmer, um, who joined uh, a, a year ago. And then um, the women also have an assistant coach, Stephanie Lee, who joined at the same time. Interesting. So spring of 2021. Um, and I think the men just have a grad assistant, not two full assistants. Okay. Um, but re regardless, yeah, that's that's coach uh, Justin Stuckey. And um, yeah, the women's women's side doing really well. That's another interesting. Uh, that's another interesting wrinkle in there that there's yeah. a there's a head coach and then an assistant for each gender. I never thought. Well, of that there's either. one assistant who crosses over, and then okay. one who's women's only, while the the men have a, a grad assistant. So yeah, it's a little unusual, I guess. Um, the Billiken track and field team hosted uh, a meet. This past weekend on Friday, unfortunately, it was a it was a very compact meet. Happened real quick. I was not able to get over after uh, after work on Friday, which I am very sorry. I, I owe a major apology to John Bell for not for not making it out there. Uh, but again, we're gonna have him on again, and I'll apologize to him in person when we get him on to talk about his cross country ride. Um, Pete, tell us a little bit about uh, the the major. Uh, I mean, to Toby Gillen's the the big the big man on campus when it comes to running these days. Yeah, he really is, and uh, you know, Coach Bell talked uh, talked a lot about him when we when we had him on. Um, both the men's and women's teams play second in the team competition, but uh, Danny Hopkins won the four hundred. Um, SLU finished first and second in the five thousand meter. Uh, Patrick Donovan. And uh, sorry about your first name here. Firol Ahmed uh, came in second. Toby Gillen, to circle back, won the 1500. Uh, this was his outdoor debut. You know, as Coach Bell said, he hasn't been here very long. Um, and he ran a 358-57 um, in a in a to finish first in a 22 competitor field. So that that was pretty uh, pretty great time actually. And then uh, Ethan Rice. Uh, took home top honors in the 3000 meter uh, steeplechase. And that, that time was 10, 12, 66. So by, uh, by some, the way, some pretty great results there. The steeplechase for the uninitiative uninitiated is the one with the water. Right. It's right. The one it's like hurdles, you... water. It's a little weird. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they did. There was some cool video that came out. John, John Bell does an awesome job as a like uh, half, half coach, half uh, social media uh intern almost he does yeah uh he does a great job covering um uh his own program how about the women women did well too uh katie wissing won the triple jump and long jump um emily nichols uh finished first it was a big field in the 200 meters uh with a time of 25 54 and then first in the 400 meters as well 59 32 um, Teresa Lampy won the 100 meter hurdles um, at 1468. And then uh, Slew placed first and second in the discus as well. Angelina White and Ali Vandeheed um, 
So, so, you know, did, did pretty well on the women's side as well. I kind of, I was kind of bummed that those throwing events were really early and the, they were before the running. I kind of wanted to see that because I haven't, I don't think I've, I've seen running in person, but I don't think I've ever seen the, you know, the, the throwing events in person. So I was a little bummed about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great, great all around week um, for, for Billiken athletics, you know, say for maybe men's tennis. Um, but I, that wraps it up. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod, at Peter is a tweeter, at Zach Miller MMP. We also, of course, appreciate any suggestions you have for the show. Any, you know, if you got any uh, any rumors out there on the portal, anything like that, fire them our way if you got them. Um, but yeah. Go subscribe to the show on all platforms if you haven't yet. Check us out on YouTube, too. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. You get to see my dumb facial expressions and uh, it's and Pete, too. Pete's, you know, dashing good looks over there. That's right. Um, yeah. So uh, make sure you leave us a review. Drop us five stars. And as always, Pete, go, go Bills. Bill.